Right, cool. No, we are going to be carrying on our series, um, our family values. And last week was an interesting week, right? Who was here last week? Yeah, yeah come on. We were in it together. Um, it was interesting. That's the word I have for it. Um, and, I, and you know what? I loved what Paula shared. Um, it was raw from her heart, especially, um, you know, just talking about her dad, but actually the realities of life. I thought it was such a great visual, wasn't it, of like how life can sometimes look. It doesn't always go out the, the, way, the, the way we want it to look. Come on, life doesn't always look as it should, right? We get up some days and we think, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then there's no sound to everything in our life. And it's like, wow, great. And you just kind of want to get on to the next day. But do you know what? Um, God's in everything with us. And I just loved last week because I thought for me it was such a visual picture, you know, um, of God being good. And he's good towards those in our lives, right? Regardless of whether sometimes... um, we get on with people or not. God's goodness is always there, isn't it? Come on, amen? God's goodness is always there. Come on, are you thankful for God's goodness? Yeah. Come on, we've got to be thankful for the goodness of God. <clears throat> this week, I'm going to be carrying on. So we've only got two more of our values left. So Pastor Annie's going to be finishing the series next week. He'll be back. He's been doing incredible work in America, um, just traveling around different places. Um, and so we're going to have Pastor Annie back next week. But this week, I'm going to be speaking on We Are Responsive. There we go. Smudge is responsive. Come on. We are responsive. Say responsive. responsive. Yeah. Come on. This, is a, this, this, is, this morning was wild. You know what I mean? I felt like there was a responsiveness as we were worshipping, as we were dancing. It was brilliant. And I love that. And that's how we need to be. Um, let's just look at some practicals. I'm going to share a little story in a minute. Um, something from my childhood that I remembered. That, like, as I was looking through this, I thought it just made me um, kind of laugh to myself um, in, a fu- in, a, in a funny way, not in a weird way. I want to just sit there like creepily laughing to myself. But, um, but before we do that, I just want to look at what responsive is because it's a real simple thing and I think we all know how to do it. But it's, it means quick to respond or react appropriately or sympathetically. It's being able to quickly respond, to act quickly to something, a situation. And we know the opposite of this is the word apathetic and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it's having or showing little or no interest or concern or emotion. You've been around people like that who have been like that, right? You say something and you can see they ain't interested. They ain't on board. I don't care. Like you kind of, you've been around people like that, right? Or responsiveness is totally different. Responsiveness looks at the edge of your seat and it's pressing in and it's ready. It's, it's being ready to respond. Come on. As a people, we want to be like that, right? We want to be edge of the seat, leaning in, responsiveness. That's it. Pastor Shoe's got it. Come on. There's a look to responsiveness. There's a look to someone who's not being responsive. One is there, ready to go, one is not. And they're in a different place altogether. They may be present physically, but they're not really here in their heart or mind. And we want to be a people that are physically here, but we're also spiritually here in our, in our thoughts and everything. We're ready to lean in. Amen? Amen. So this story, as I was thinking about this, um, some of you will know um, that I'm a Man United fan, surrounded by a whole heap of Arsenal fans. That's my story of my life. Even I went away this weekend, and this guy was like, you into football? And I was like, yeah, I'm a United fan. What was he? Arsenal fan. And I was like, what is going on with these people everywhere? I don't know. But hey, my wife's an Arsenal fan. My brother-in-law's an Arsenal fan. And there's a, I know there's a whole heap of you guys out there as well. Any United fans? Where's Troy? Oh, we have got United fans. Oh, hallelujah. There are some people here. You probably get, you're probably, some of you are a little bit older. You'll kind of, um, make, might relate to me with this story I'm about to share. So um, my dad was a massive Man United fan. Huge. Like, he was like kind of everything was Man United growing up as a kid. And, um, and so naturally I kind of followed, um, I followed Man United. You just do, don't you? You kind of follow that way. And uh, one of the greatest things that I loved 
kind of about Man United, and what I started to love was their ability to respond. Those that ground, not right now, currently we're struggling. I'm not going to lie. We're not going to look at the current seasons and the last 10 years. We're going to ignore that, and we're going to look beyond that to the, to the greater era of my childhood. Um, and so growing up, there was, this, um, there was this kind of on the edge of your seat when you was watching them, because you never knew. Like, you, you, you know, I watched them be like two, three nil down at half time, and they'll come back. They responded. Come on, anyone old enough to know? When you play Man United, people were like, oh, no, you just could never know. And there was this moment at the season of 99, some of you will remember, um, there was an incredible season for Man United. Um, and, 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 and there was game after game of, like, kind of, we were coming back from, like, losing. And we were, like, we were down, and we would come back, and we were down, and we would come back. And there was this mentality within the team of, we will respond. We will not give up. We have a responsiveness. And it was like, it was like tangible. I'm like there in my front room, and anyone knows me, I'm passionate enough for this. I don't need any more of this coming at me. I'm there in the front, like, come on, like screaming. I'm, I'm getting really up to this. And um, this moment, Champions League final, did not help the situation in 1999. I was 11 years old. Um, I remember sitting watching, um, watching it on the TV, and we were 1 0 down against this incredible team, Bayern Munich. They were amazing. Like, this team was incredible. Um, kind of just German team that just knew how to play football really well. They had Oliver Kahn, who was in goal. He was a giant. We had Peter Schmeichel, but this guy was a giant. He was just like, this was like we were coming up against them. And we were 1-0 down. And we were getting kind of hammered, really. They hit the post. They hit the crossbar. We were really taking it, taking it. Oh, I was like, oh, my days. I'm sitting in my seat thinking, oh, no, like, we're actually going to, I think we're going to lose this one. And then came a moment where Fergie, good old Fergie, he could see he had a responsiveness. Alex Ferguson had a responsiveness. He could see things. And he made a few shifts and he brought a few players on right towards the end of the game. And then we're 1-0 down. It's the 89th minute. You're like kind of game over. Most people would switch off at this point. Done. We're done. No. What happened? We have a corner. There's this moment we have a corner. And I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm being responsive. TV's going to get like pulled off in a minute. I'm like getting like really excited. And then what happens? David Beckham swings this cross in. And then the ball kind of gets knocked out. I think it was um, Ryan Giggs kind of, don't know what he does really, tries to kick the ball in. And then Teddy Sheringham scores this goal. Oh my days, the response had happened. The response not only happened in the game, my front room was erupting. I was jumping around, I couldn't believe it. I was so like, what is happening? I was full of life. And then comes this moment, 90th minute, you're thinking, I didn't even see this coming. So I'm there now like, well, anything's possible now. What happens if we get another corner? Oh, my days, even the commentators are saying, they always score. They, and then, like, they go to the crowd and people are on the edge of the seat. This is the most intense moment, I think, of my childhood, to be honest with you. <laughs> I was like, this is too much, you know what I mean? I was like, ooh. And then, and then there's me, my dad, and my brother, like, kind of, like, not expecting this. And, and then the ball comes in. David Beckham, you know, he crosses the ball again. And it's like, oh, my days. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, right place, right time. Kicks the ball straight over Oliver into the goal, roof of the net. And all I hear in my head is the commentator, Solskjaer's done it. And it echoes in my mind, even to this moment. And it erupts. My front room is going crazy. There is a responsiveness like I've never seen anything in my life. What made me laugh? We were winning. But my dad's response was the greatest response. You would, I wish I could have filmed it. Straight in the car, Man United flags out the window, driving around the city, beeping a horn. It was chaos. Do you know what I mean? It was amazing. A moment that I relive all the time in my mind, just think, ah, oh, that was a good time. Especially in this last 10, se 10 seasons, it's been a bit, you have to go back there. But you know what? There was a responsiveness. 
That kind of was amazing. And not only that, when I turned up, um, my dad was a bit, he's a little, probably, probably where I get it from, he was full on. So next thing we're up, we're going to Manchester like we did most seasons um, to cheer the team on who have won um, the trophies and stuff. And, and the responsiveness there was a different level. People were just dumping cars in the streets. It was chaos. People were climbing up lampposts, bus stops. It was like, what is happening here? And me included. I was running down the streets. It was like anything goes. It was so loose. It was unbelievable. But there was such a responsiveness in the air. And I was like, wow. And I thought to myself as I'm reading this, if I can be that responsive to things of the natural stuff, how much more responsive should I be to the things of the supernatural? Come on, how much more should I be to the things of the kingdom of heaven? So we as a people, we're called to be responsive. You know, come on, I'm sure there's some of you here right now who have probably got similar stories in some way of something in your childhood, in your life, where you're able to respond. You know, some of us, it's money. We respond to money. Money, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Responsiveness. I'll do it, money. Yeah, oh, I'll go, yeah, yeah. You know, will you come and serve? Nah, for money. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a responsiveness there to something. Because we all carry it, right? We have a responsiveness to something. And I love that we're called to be responsive. That's how we are made. But there's a way we can be responsive that's kind of not following God. And there's a way which means that we're going to walk towards incredible things in our life. Matthew 22, um, 34 to 30. I'm going to read this. And it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which... Is the greatest commandment in the law. In verse 37 it says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Nailed it. Jesus is brilliant. Always had an answer and always was able to silence people. I mean, like most of us would have been, mm, what is the greatest law actually? He just bang. Why? Because he was the word of God. He knew it. And I love this because when we read these two verses, there's a responsiveness to two things there. To love God and to love people. Yeah. Yeah. And that word, that word for love there, I'm sure some of you will be very familiar with, is the word agapeo. And it means active love that God shows us. Come on, anyone thankful for the love of God being shown to you? Yeah. Every day. But it's also an active love, when you look at this word, that his people, us, should be showing him other people, and also our enemies. That's what it says. It's an active love. So when I'm starting to look at this, I, I started thinking, well, okay, it's an active love. I could say like this, that it's to be responsive to God with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my mind. That's what I could say, that I should be responsive to God with everything that's within me, if we're going to use that word love, because it's active. It's responding to the things of God. And not only that, it's responsive to our neighbours, Everyone in your life, responsive to them, because that's what loving your neighbour does, right? It's being able to respond, not ignoring, respond, move, act. And we're called to have that responsiveness to God, to, to God and every, everything he cares about. And this includes the people around us, the ones we get on with, and the ones we find it really hard to get on with. Come on, that's the hard one, right? Do you know God died for all of them? He died for the people when you look at it and you think, surely not. How? I was once one of them, so that's how. 
Sometimes it's good just to put a mirror in front of us and realize he did it for you. And realize if he's going to do it for you, he's going to do it for everyone, right? And so the love of God is there for everyone. And if the love of God, which is an active thing, is responsive, then we should be responsive too. So it starts with our response to God. And how, how, how does that responsiveness begin? I think we can find that in Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, which says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, responsiveness, I, I think, begins with a submission to God, right? It starts when you see God, you have that moment with God, and you submit to him. And when God calls us, our response should be submission to that call. Be moulded by the hands of God. Being held in his hand and allowing him to do what he needs to do. The same can be said when the disciples were called. You know, There's different accounts of all the disciples being called in the Gospels. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read... Read the, the full verse, but you can read it in, in Matthew, Mark, um, Mark 1, 16 to 20, if you want to look at it in your own time and write it down. But Jesus' response to them was basically this, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. That's what he said, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. And the responses you get are the words like this, immediately, immediately, they left whatever they were doing and they followed him. And that immediately is a submission to God's will over what they were formerly doing. They were being responsive to their fishing. And then God steps in and they're being now responsive to him. And the submission is now to his will and his purpose. Do you know what? That might mean that sometimes you get sent back to the workplace to carry on fishing, but for the kingdom of heaven. But it means you're submitted to a greater power now and not to the powers of money and work and do and do and self. Amen? Our responsiveness has to start with a submission to his will. And I think that internal submission... To his will is the start of our responsiveness to God, and it grows and develops as we continue to walk with him. Come on, we see it with the disciples, don't we? It wasn't just an initial call, and then we don't see nothing else. There's this clear, like, questions being asked on the journey. So, Jesus, who is the... Did it, you can hear it throughout the Gospels. Peter getting Larry often and giving it the, the big one. Um, and, and, you, and, you, and you see him, you know, doing stuff, and you think, yeah, that's us, right? We react in different situations, and we say things, and that's the journey of God. But the continual submission to him is what we're called to do, and be responsive to him. And how do we do that? It's simple. We start with prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. You know, who here has friendships where you don't ever talk to each other? That's not a friendship. That's how friendships go separate ways. So prayer is key, talking to God in our everyday situation. That's how we keep that responsiveness on with God. Worship God, not just like Janine said recently, not just, not just singing a song on a Sunday, but having a life that's devoted to following God, a devoted way of living. And then the word, lining our, our, our hearts up with his. So no longer looking at the word that we used to think, but now lining our lives up with his word for our life. That's submission to his will and not our will. That is then a responsiveness to God, right? Because you're now responding to his word. And so it starts with us. If we're going to be responsive to situations, we have to first respond to God, right? Everyone know that? We've got to first have our heart that's on fire for God. And so then what about our neighbours? I believe the overflow of our internal responsiveness to God should cause an external responsiveness to others around us. And again, like, I'm not talking about our mates, because it's easy, right, to respond to you, mate. Yeah, you want to go here? Yeah, brilliant. Look what I'm doing, the will of God. Come on, it's not always as easy as that. 
Sometimes it's doing something for someone and it's really not convenient and it's really not for someone that has been nice to you. Come on, anyone got people in their lives and you don't have to put your hand up that, that you really struggle with and they actually sometimes can be, <laughs> they can be really mean. You know? I'm sure we've got pictures in our minds right now, but you know what? God loves them. And maybe God is calling you to meet that need somehow, some way, you know? We're called, just as the Great Commission says, to reach a broken world and a broken people. I remember the first time I got saved, I was a broken person, and God just poured his love out on me. And I remember, never be, I never be, I'd forget walking past a homeless person, which, I'll be honest with you, beforehand, I couldn't, I've cared less, because I didn't have any thoughts towards that. And in this moment, my heart, as I started journeying with God, became softer and softer, and I struggled to walk past a homeless person without feeling like I needed to respond. Why? Because my heart was submitted to God, and the external overflow of that was now there's a response to people around me. Amen? And so then I started serving on a homeless outreach team, because why? That's the correct response. Submission to his will and submission to his word. The Bible says, faith without works is dead. And our genuine faith in Jesus should cause a selfless action towards others around us. So I think the first thing, as I said, is about us. We respond and have a responsiveness in our everyday life to God. And that will look different for all of us in our jobs, in our places of where we go, our colleges, our schools, whatever it might be. We have a responsibility to have our life lined up with God and a responsiveness to him. But then the overflow of that, what does that look like? Well, that means responding to situations around you. And I've got three things that... I'm going to try and get through within this time, but the first one is this. Responding in difficulties or responding when everything is against you. I think this is crucial because so often we'll face situations like this. And um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to actually, I'm not going to read, but I have two scriptures, but I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to read one, and it's the woman with the issue of the blood. That, some of you will be familiar with this um, story. In Luke uh, 8, 43 to 48, it says this. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, that's Jesus' garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those who, said, who were with him said, Master, the multitude throng you and press you, and you say, who touched me? See, that's a bit of Peter getting Larry there. If you weren't aware of that, that's Peter saying, you, who touched you? You're saying that. Do you know what I mean? He's hilarious. But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that Jesus was not, was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and, and, and how she had been healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Come on, that's an awesome bit of scripture. It's an awesome moment in someone's life. That's not a story. That's a real person documented in a document of something that happened when the Son of God stepped into a situation. This lady was facing a life-crippling dilemma. And she had tried everything else to be free. She had spent all her livelihood. Do you know this, this disease would have made her be outcast from society? She wouldn't have been able to be around people. She would have had to been isolated from society and be moved out of the place. Do you know what it feels like to be lonely? Feel like to be isolated? To feel like you're on your own? That no one else is with you and that, that, that everything is just falling apart? In the midst of this, she responded. What was her response? She pressed in 
past the crowd and reached out to Jesus by faith. You know, what situations, I suppose, are we facing that's making us feel like this lady? Okay, might not have an issue of blood, but do you know what? Loneliness is real. Do you know what? Depression is very real. Do you know what depression does? It isolates you. It makes you feel like you're on your own. Just like this woman, stuck in a situation where no one understands. Do you know what? Sometimes in those situations, we need to press in and press through the crowd, press through the noises, press through everything that's pronging us on every side. And do you know what's on the other side of that? A miracle. A touch of his garment and a release of his power. Sometimes we've got to respond even in the midst of difficulties. It's being a child of God. It's being a person of faith. When everything feels like it's going against you, there's one who's not against you and his name is Jesus. This is an interesting one, and I think that a lot of us will relate to this second one, responding when all we see is lack and need. Come on, there's need, and then you look and there's lack. I'm sure in very all of our circumstances we see that. And I think we can look at um, a moment in the Gospels where we have this with the disciples in Matthew 14, 13 to 21. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Could you imagine being Jesus? You couldn't have a moment to yourself. Anytime you went, people came. It's like, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Do you know that's the heart of God? Do you know when he looks into situations where there's lack? He doesn't go, oh well. He's moved with compassion. For them and heal, um, and it says, and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away and they must go into the villages and buy themselves food. How often is that our response? Go and get them to sort it out themselves. Don't they know there's loads of schemes around? Don't they know there's that? They can go and get this. They can go and do this. Don't they know that they can go and get that? Go and get them to do it themselves. I love Jesus' response. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. How often is that us when we're looking at what we've got and it's just not enough? And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. They took up the 12 baskets full of fragments that, re- that remained. Now those who had, who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's miraculous. That's the God that we serve. Come on, there was no other scheme there. There was no other thing on the side that was able to make this happen. Only the, char- the Son of God, with his miraculous power, to be able to provide. See, we sometimes have got to we, not look at what we don't have. It's easy to look at what you don't have and go, well, can't. We need to look at what we do have and then trust God. It's easy, as I said, to look at what you don't have. And, and the response can be, no way. Just like the disciples, no way, I can't do that. That's impossible. That is impossible. But God calls us to trust him. What, what he can do, no one else can make happen. Let your response today be to put what you have in the hands of Jesus. 
Because what he can do with it is greater than what we could ever do with it. It's about trusting him with what we do have and getting our eyes off of what we don't have. Do you know what that you do have? The son of God. The creator of heaven and earth who made all things. Come on, when you start thinking like that, your mind starts opening up. You realize the little that you think you have immediately gets turned into multitudes of things. Because he gives you favor. He gives you blessings. You walk into situations. Come on, who's here who's had a miracle? And you think, wow, that could only be God. Anyone? I know I have. Come on, there's hands up. We, we know that God can do things that people cannot do. See, God will provide. Just because we see lack, God wants to meet the need, but he wants your faith. Just to stand and believe that it could be possible. Amen? Amen. And then the last thing I want to spend, share on is responding to that which is lost. Anyone here hate lost things? Hands up. Come on, I get annoyed with this one. You should see me like sometimes leaving the house. I'm like... I've lost my keys, and I've run back in. I've actually got a map on the floor that says AirPods, wallet, keys, because I am, my mum bought it for me. I, I literally will lose things all the time, and I'm like forever, you'll see me doing this, and you'll probably start noticing now, and often in church I'll do it. Where's the van keys? I'm a, I'm, I don't know why I do that, but I just, I just, things get lost, and it really winds me up when you can't find them. You know, you're looking everywhere, and it's like, and then it randomly appears, and you're like, I know it wasn't there before, like, someone has come in and said, I think it might be Paula. She's like, I'm going to wind him up. She's got all this baggage of stuff ready, and she's laying it out. There you go, out and wind him up. Now put that back there. And I'm going in the rooms and come back, and it's there. And I'm like, and you, you do that thing. Paula always has a go at me for it. Where I said, I looked, love. It wasn't there. It's definitely not there. She said, have you looked properly? Any men, have you looked properly? Who's heard that? Come on, yeah, some people with me. Have you looked properly? Women have a different way of looking. I do this. No. Paula does this and moves things. That's a miracle. Moves things. <laughs> Didn't know that was possible. Oh, you're allowed to move. I thought it was a game where you just have to stare and like do this. Didn't realize that, love. Um, but she does this thing where she's always able to find it. Do you know what? I hate lost things. I don't, I struggle with lost things. And I try to respond by opening the cupboard, but sometimes you've got to move things. Luke 15, 1 to 7 says this. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them and saying, What man of you have a hundred sheep if he loses one of them? Does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Come on, I'm a person that hates lost things. How many times when I'm walking down the street, someone's walking past me that's lost and my response is not to do anything. That I need to be more like Paula, that's digging deep within the cupboard to reach these people, that's response is more than just face value. But I'm going deeper because there's a lost world that needs a people to respond to the gospel. Come on, is anyone else in, it, in here that hates lost things enough that would go to a lost world to try and reach it? Come on, as a church, as the body of Christ, let's be responsive to the call of a lost people and a lost generation that may look like they've got it together, but they really haven't. When they go home at night, they look at what they have and see a brokenness within themselves. Come on, we are the people 
Jesus calls us the light of the world. Come on, hands up. Who wants to be the light of the world? Shining in the darkness. Like a lighthouse bringing people to safety. Come on, maybe you're here today and you feel lost. I've been there. I'm sure there's many people in this room right now who have been there. And they're probably maybe facing it right now that you feel so lost. And you just need God to do something. I believe God will do something today. I believe God will touch your heart, touch your life, touch your mind. You know, I had a miracle just this past week and I haven't got the time to share it today. Maybe I'll share it another time. But God moves. The Holy Spirit is real. You may have come in here for the very first time, just like me 14 years ago, off the streets of Portsmouth, knew nothing about church, and you walked into a room of crazy people dancing and singing and was like, what have I walked into? The presence of God where God can move and touch the heart of any person. Listen, today I'm believing that miracle upon your life, amen? Whether you've been coming to church for a long time or you're new, I'm going to be believing for that. And the greatest act of responsiveness we can find, yes, we're called to respond to God. Yes, we're called to respond just as the gospel messages to those around us. But the greatest act of responsiveness can be found in John 3.16, that very well-known verse. For God so loved, that same word, active love. The, the world. He gave activeness. He gave. He responded. He gave his son that whoever might believe would not perish but have everlasting life. Come on. Whoever believes. It's as simple as that. God's not asking you to get things right. He's not asking you to make your life in order. Get it all right. Get it all sorted and then you'll have a chance. No, he's saying, look, I know you've got it wrong. I can see your brokenness. Just believe. Just believe and watch the Son of God do what he came to do. Set the captives free. Open the blind eye. Release those that have found themselves held captive in prisons. Prisons of depression. Prisons of anxiety. Prisons of worry. Prisons of concern. He came to set you free this morning. You may have woke up thinking this is just another Sunday. I'm just going to get through. Listen, it stops there. This ain't no normal Sunday. This is a day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it and we're going to watch the power of God manifest in such a way. Come on, if you've got a faith, even as small as a mustard seed, that's on my heart burning. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Come on, just stand with me and just raise your hands towards heaven and I'm going to believe for a miracle. Come on, if you've got that faith, just start activating it. Lord, whatever the need may be, whatever the circumstance may be, We open our hands as a sign of saying, we can't do it. Holy Spirit, I pray you would move right now. Depression, leave in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, leave in the name of Jesus. Fear of others, I I ask it to leave in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray your peace, your love and your joy to manifest in this room. Oh, let there be a a joy and a dancing and a celebration in our hearts this morning. Without even music, we don't need that. Let it echo inside of us, Lord. Let us respond. We want you, Lord. We want you, Lord. Come on, hey, you may be here for the very first time. I don't want to change this atmosphere. And you're saying, Jesus, I need you. I've realised life is empty without this. Simply this. You believe The Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. The Bible says that 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 word saved is not just saved. Saved from what? You're set free, delivered, made whole. 
things start making order, things start making sense. And so listen, if that's you this morning, if you need to give your life to Jesus, why don't you just raise your hand? This is between you and God. Is there anyone here today that needs to give their life to Jesus that I can pray for you? Everyone here. Oh God, there's a couple of hands, I think. But listen, listen. if you, if you have come here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there's a team at the back that want to sit with you, pray with you. We've got some information to help you on this next journey. Look, we don't want you leaving today thinking, what was that all about? Listen, God is moving and he's going to continue to move the rest of this day in your heart. So don't leave this place without first being prayed for and helped and uh, sent on your way with all that you need. Amen. Listen, let me pray for you this morning, church. Father, I thank you that what you've started in this room this morning, Lord, let it break out in our everyday. Let our hearts continue responding to you, Lord. Let our hearts say yes on Monday morning, Monday evening. Throughout the week, when things start getting hard, like the woman with the issue of blood, when things start pressing in around us, Lord, let our yes be yes to your kingdom. Let your will be done. And Father, I pray for miraculous signs and wonders to break out in the community of our our church, Lord. Father, we pray your will be done in all of us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Wow, awesome. Praise God.